You can be a man with a bag on his head who uses a stick to fight. That almost sounded like a like an old union theme. You can be a man with a bag. You can be a man with a bag on his head. <laughs> uh, that's like a musical music music from Anastasia. Yeah, you join the union today. <laughs> Everyone Instead. in the union wears bags on their heads. We're the bag-headed union and we fight for you. <laughs> no one knows who you are with a bag on your head. Amen. <laughs> you can do many crimes bag on your head. Bag on your head, bag on your head, bag on your head. We can never sing during the podcast. John, we are in the latter half of the year as the solstice is behind us. Yes. That... Nope, yes. do it again because you were doing the... Sorry, oh, you were, you were doing okay. the intro, it's you okay. can do the whole thing again. No, it's fine. And that rhyme was intended. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name, as always, is Henry. And I am Overeager John. And together we're, as always, Henry and Overeager John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. Now, I appreciate that uh, you went for a different uh, solstice rhyme other than the usual, a solstivus for the rest of us. Right, yes, that time-honored slogan from the good people at Hallmark Greeting Card Company. <laughs> yes, Hallmark Greeting Card Company Solstice Division. Long days, long nights, long cards. Uh, there's also a new trend with these. These I don't know if you've heard of these. These zillennials. That's not what they're called. These zoomers, uh, where uh, they, they like to say, "There's a solstice among us." Yeah, very sus. Very solstus. Very solstus. I hate this. (laughs) Very, very. How was your solstice, Henry? My solstice, for those of you who don't know what the solstice is. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Please, for our listeners who are not followers of the solstice. For those of you who don't know, uh, June 21st uh, is the solstice, and uh, it is the longest day of the year. Yes, the, the summer solstice, there are two solstices, or solstices, solstices, uh, the summer and the winter, nope, I was thinking of the equinox, summer solstice, longest day, winter solstice, longest night, and this was the longest day, half a year, can you believe it? Yeah, we're almost through with this 2021, the, the year that will only be remembered as the aftermath. 
Yes, 2020, though our lives' longest years, 2021, somehow the shortest year. I cannot believe in any way that it is June. Yeah, it makes no sense to me either. Um, but because it is the depths of summer or just the beginning of it, to be honest, uh, let's crack open some nice, cold, frosty beers and raise a glass to that that time-honored tradition of the sun. <laughs> raise a glass to that old so-and-so the sun. All right. Keeping God's us warm and full of cancer. Oh, God. <laughs> In moderation, No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've been, listen, I don't want to get into it, but I've got a whole, a whole skin thing going on. Sunscreen is involved, but not talking about a, a skin thing. I know that, uh, we were saying as we were ending spring that I wanted to get more into more seasonal beers. And, uh, this time I actually have something quite seasonal. As you know, millennials love their plants, pothos, monstera, variegated monstera, golden pothos. I am drinking an Austin Beer Works Megaflora, the beer of plants. Okay, so this is one of those plant-based beers I've heard so much about. Yes, all beers, I guess, are plant-based. That's not true, because a a while ago... A while ago, there was a, a a very prominent political figure who was railing against the idea of drinking plant-based beer. <laughs> Wait, who? What? I don't remember the story quite so much, but it was like, Biden's going to take our burgers away <laughs> and we're going to have to drink plant-based beer, to which the internet raised their hands up and said what you were about to say. All beer is plant-based. Yes, we have to drink plant-based beer. Uh, Unfortunately, we can no longer harvest our hops, our malt, and our barley from uh, roving bands of giraffes. Right. So this is Megaflora? Yes, Megaflora by Austin Beer Works, a local legend. Uh, Keep cold and drink fresh, Austin Beer Works, LLC. Uh, Now this is where the season really kicks in, is in their flavor text. Uh, You've whacked through a thicket of typical IPAs. Now you come upon Megaflora hanging on the vine like a ripe melon. This is oddly erotic. Uh, With a simple tap, citrus disco balls spill out, enveloping you in a cloud of fruity indulgence. You're going to megafauna over it. Oh, I get it. That's great. That's pretty cute. I like it. Uh, It is a juicy deepa. Or a double IPA, and it is very delicious, very summery, uh, pretty grapefruity and citrusy. I'm a big fan. Well, that sounds all kinds of good. And uh, uh, I'm instead in lieu of telling you what I'm drinking tonight, because that's no fun surprise. John, I'm going to tell you that when I go to the Alamo Draft House now, I find myself ordering that electric jellyfish IPA. Wow, you've changed so much. Well, they don't have the 512 pecan porter on tap. Uh, so I have to, you know, I have to settle for a lesser brew. Uh, but that electric jellyfish is good. And, and in lieu of talking more about the beer, may I offer you a story? Uh, absolutely. All right. So this was uh, two weeks ago, I want to say. We were in the Alamo Draft House to see Lynn manuel Miranda's In the Heights uh, rather than watching it on HBO Max because we wanted to see it on the big screen for whatever reason. And uh, I go ahead and I order an electric jellyfish because I figure this is going to be a long movie. I might as well, you know, enjoy myself. And 
a different person who was not our server walks up, takes the order card, reads it, and then at full volume as the movie starting is starting says, they're not giving us what we order, so we might not have this. Uh, is there another because like because of COVID, we're not receiving our orders. Would there be another beer? And just in case we don't have it, like he's progressively getting louder. Just in case we don't have this beer, because the music is starting in the background. Just in case we don't have this beer, is there is there another beer you would want? And I was like, yeah, the Hefeweizen. Could you get out the way now? Yeah, could, <laughs> you, could movie, you leave? The movie has started at this point. I like I'm stre- like it's not the. Like people are singing and, and and talking the plot now, and he just said this really loud thing, and I'm just trying to like s- like s- shrink down in my chair because it's like, dude, <laughs> I don't need to know the backstory of your inventory right now. Just get me a delicious, cold, frothy drink. That's uh horrifying i i think i speak for everyone and i know that there are difficulties associated with working at alamo draft house but i think being a good draft house uh server is an art uh they they can communicate everything you need to know with a minimal number of very quiet words yeah it's an interesting relationship between you and the draft house server because uh and the ideal visit you communicate most if not all of what all of your needs by written paper uh but they don't write back to you (laughs) so they have to speak thus violating like the law of the land um that's just something interesting to think about yeah i've seen them like hunker down and whisper and i guess i haven't seen that since covid i guess i don't understand his rationale that covid would keep them from getting electric jellyfish, a thing that is brewed in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, you know, because a different person runs the beer out and, uh, that you know, he made a point of saying, you know, sangria announcing Jamie's drink. And I'm like, okay, that, that's hers. And then he just puts the only other drink in front of me. And I don't know what it is. Oh, great. <laughs> there were, there was, a, you know, an option of two things and I take a sip and it's electric jellyfish. We got them. Yeah. I mean, it, they had it. I don't know why. He wanted to have a conversation about the difficulties of logistics while the guy who played Alexander Hamilton's son in Hamilton is starting to sing his story in this new movie called In the Heights. I have a, a genuine question for you. I'm was here the, to was the, it. the server who ran up to you, was it a, a thin white man with brown hair? Uh, no, it was like a, um, an older man tall with white hair oh really interesting maybe that was the owner of the draft house we were also at the mueller draft Mm. house um and and for those of you austinites who are familiar with the mueller area uh it's completely fucking different now i don't recognize the place yeah they uh, a lot has changed in the mueller development within the last year including it, it seems like they've kind of fucked over a lot of that park that was kind of in the middle of Mueller that I liked a lot. Yeah. Uh, a lot has changed. I have not hung out in Mueller in, at this point, 16 months. I really feel like you can't hang out there anymore because they're just building a bunch of office buildings. I mean, they still have the Mueller Lake Park, which is nice. I'm, yeah, that's nice. I like parks a lot. Uh, but I don't know. Mueller just doesn't seem... 
as hospitable as it did a year and a half ago. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that because it felt like I was walking in a new part of the domain or like downtown or something. Like this doesn't feel like the wide open spaces that I was familiar with. You really never want to be able to describe a development by saying it feels like the domain. Right. No, I don't. Not every place needs to be luxur- luxurious shopping district. Yeah, I would argue that uh, most places shouldn't be. Right. Just by dint of how the economy works. Yeah, I mean, I can't afford to shop in the domain. I mean, the I can barely afford to eat in the domain. Right. Also, so. I can barely afford the psychic damage that occurs to me every time I set foot in the domain. Well, it was built on an eldritch graveyard. I mean, I don't... I would not... If that were true... I would believe it. Yeah, it's the eldritch god of uh, consumerism. The amount of pain that you go through going in the domain and seeing, you know, the people of the domain, but more importantly, the shops of the domain, it's just a real bummer. It's like, you remember when malls were a thing? Oh, every day. And then when you were like a... What's the version of a small teenager, like anything from like 11 to 14 or 15? I mean, you go from tween to early teen in that that range. Whatever the early teens are, when you're in a mall, it's kind of awesome because it's everything you want and your brain's not developed and your brain's just a bunch of like little pieces of bone and gelatin and no one can blame you for making mistakes because you don't have a brain yet. So you're like, there's an EB Games here and a toy store and a radio shack. This is the best place ever. And then when you're like 16 or 17, you start to see it as like weird, naked commercialism, like a really sad amusement park. You're like, oh, this sucks, actually. Uh, right. I don't I don't like being here, and it's doing like a little bit of psychic damage to me. The domain is that times 10. Yeah, it's definitely an, an exaggerated or exacerbated version of a mall. Uh, but the reason why I ask about the description of your Alamo Drafthouse server is uh, the second movie we went to go to the Alamo to see. I think it was Spiral. I forget. Uh, there was a very loud Alamo Drafthouse server who was like, yeah, food's just going to take a while. There's a labor shortage. Nobody wants to work because of the stimulus. Oh my God, I was like, what are you? Up. Also, this this kid was like 17 or 18, probably Ugh. listens to a lot of like Jordan Peterson or Steven Crowder or something. But man, not the vibe that I want at Alamo Drafthouse is a teen no. yelling about a labor shortage. <laughs> I'm trying to watch Chris Rock try to act. I'm trying to watch Chris Rock portraying young Chris Rock by wearing a mustache and having a backwards baseball cap. Yeah. I didn't see the movie. Oh, best part of the movie is young Chris Rock is uh, just Chris Rock with a goatee and a backwards baseball cap. No effort is made to change, like, his wardrobe, the way he talks. It's They try to play him 20 years younger by giving him a goatee and a backwards baseball cap. It's very funny. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, they also try to make a younger Samuel Jackson by just putting a ludicrously fake mustache on him. I, I, this Samuel Jackson is, is, is skywards of 70. Don't try to make him look younger anymore. Like, just don't play that game anymore. Yeah, Spiral's good, though. I'd say as far as Saw movies go, it's in, like, the 50th percentile. I've never seen a Saw movie. 
Oh, you should watch them all. They're all I'm, horribly violent, and most of them are quite bad. I'm not into torture porn. Uh, that's fair. I'd yeah. say there are other movies you could call torture porn more than Saw, but that's Splitting Hairs, which of course happens in Saw 4. <laughs> you can get this key, but only if you split your hairs. <laughs> I'd like uh, to Mr. Jigsaw, I feel like you're phoning in the <laughs> uh, the the contraptions as of late. <laughs> Just a, a revolver pops out of the puppet and shoots them. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? Shoot yourself with this gun. <laughs> or what? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, some of the traps, I'll be honest, do end up uh, being quite a bit like that. Oh, that's sad. I thought... It would be better if my version of the joke was so dumb that <laughs> it wouldn't even be feasible. The a well they keep going back to and Saw is, I don't know if he even could have escaped this trap. And for everything that people say about Saw, there's like a Disciples of Jigsaw thing that happens where like they create traps people can't escape from and Jigsaw doesn't like that because he wants them to be able to atone. There, uh, any franchise that's been going on as long as Saw has, similar to the Fast and Furious, though I think uh, less admirable, starts to develop kind of a unique texture and internal mythos, and I think that the Saw franchise did that. Right. Anyway, Saw. Saw. Well, uh... You know what I saw, Henry? Oh, well, before we get into that, there's a little bit of podcast business we need to talk about just really quickly. Oh, right. We talked about this in the pre-roll to Shin Godzilla. Right. Um, because we discovered very recently, because our, our RSS feed stopped updating randomly uh, like three weeks ago. And that's when I learned for the first time that RSS feeds have a data cap on them, John. Oh, no. Yeah, as your RSS feed nears 1,024 kilobytes, uh, they it just stops refreshing, at least when you use FeedBurner. Isn't a 1,024 kilobytes what they in the industry refer to as a megabyte? Probably, but for some reason they always express it as 1,024K. That's fair. I don't know why. Probably because it, it was recently, and when I say recently, I mean in terms of geological time, uh, FeedBurner updated from 512 uh, megabytes, I don't know. No, gigabytes? 512K? I don't know, John. Okay. Um, the point is we're no longer using FeedBurner uh, because it is outdated and outmoded, so that's good. But then I ran into a new problem in that Apple podcast, the de facto and only like podcasting aggregator that everyone else just draws their lists off of, only displays 301 episodes at a time. Oh, no. And so what that means is we're kind of in the, the last 50th, the last 50 episodes before this becomes a problem. Oh, yeah, because of all of those supplemental readings. Right. We're like at 263 episodes or something like that. Um, so when we hit up 301 episodes, we have to delist old episodes so we can upload new episodes. Meaning season one is going to disappear from our Apple podcast listing. Okay. Now, don't panic. Okay, episode, I was almost panicking. 
The episodes aren't going anywhere. They'll still be available on our website, zerocredits.net. You can download them to your phone from there by clicking the links and downloading them as files. Uh, They will not be able to be accessed through podcasting apps such as Apple Podcast or Podcast Addict or Spotify because those scrapers will no longer be scraping those episodes. Okay, so essentially what we're looking at is a window of 301 episodes that's going to move forward as we release new episodes. Right. It's Think of it as like revolving content doors. Uh, and and my, I think the best way to do it is to kind of just delist a whole season at a time, retire that season to the Hall of Zero Credits fame, lock the key... But this also gives us the ability to preserve any supplemental readings you want to keep in the in the chamber forever. Uh, so I think it would be really prudent to never delist the Fast and Furious supplemental readings because that's really the core of the podcast now. I uh, I would argue that that is true. I would say delisting entire seasons definitely makes sense. I would preserve most, if not all, supplemental readings. Yeah, we might do a case-by-case basis. There's some early supplemental readings that maybe don't really stand the test of time. Okay, D-list entire seasons, keep supplemental readings, except get rid of all the Marvel movie ones except Black Panther. Okay, did we do one on Black Panther? We did! I don't remember. Wow. I think it's actually one of our more interesting ones, because uh, I, I was kind of cold on Black Panther, until we had that. And of course, the most important supplementary reading we must always keep is the uh, is the Last Jedi supplementary reading, <laughs> uh, which was interesting because we both went into it not totally knowing how we felt about that movie. And then becoming part of the right side of history, which is to say the, the side that liked the movie. Absolutely. Cued masses, thousands of people just tuned out. <laughs> We should preserve only the episodes where we have the most divisive opinions. Right. Which is all of them. Every single uh, one. So that that's just your little your little uh upfront podcast, you know. The, the, the funny thing is nobody nobody writes about this this stuff. Nobody tells you about this when you start a podcast. But like there are podcasts that have been going for years and they've bumped up against this limit and they just they keep that information to themselves, I guess. Yeah, I I think that uh, some of them, there's a a pretty cheeky way some of them get around it, which is putting older episodes behind a paywall. Exactly. So they can privately host them on a private RSS feed on their Patreon. So then, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know. Our episodes will be 100% free on our website, zerocredits.net. No paywall involved, but might have some difficulty listening to them on your phone. Yes, no paywall involved until we change our mind when our podcast becomes fantastically popular. I don't like the idea of doing that. They'll be free forever. They'll probably be free forever. If we become rich somehow, other things will cost money, but episodes we've already released, we're not going to charge you for this. Our second podcast, Behind the Paywall, will be behind the paywall. Yes, and that is the name of the podcast is Behind the Paywall. Right. In which we subscribe to other podcast Patreons to the level at which we get behind their paywall and then we excoriate their content. Yeah. We we were like Robin Hood. Yes, we tell you that it's, but no matter what, we have to tell you it's bad. 
Right, because why would you pay $5? Why in the world would you pay $5 for anything except this episode of Zero Credits Beyond the Paywall? <laughs> Give us $5. Please. Um, right. So that's just a little matter up front uh, because it gave me a great deal of stress. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Now, I personally have been dealing with hosting issues relating to ZeroCredits.net, but nothing that needs to be, uh, that you need to concern yourself about. Our hosting situation, not very complicated. Uh, When the people who own your hosting, like, change owners or whatever, uh, that gets annoying. But nothing that you, listeners, need to worry your pretty little heads about. Wait, what about me? Do I need to worry about this? (laughs) Uh, no. I took care of it. All right. Uh, But speaking of things going out of business. Yes. Speaking of things going out of business, Henry, you know what I saw. John, I I don't want to lose that segue. John, what did you? Oh, right. The saw thing. What did you see? (laughs) Yes. uh, I saw movies. Uh, So you might remember that uh, on this podcast, uh, we've talked about a little service Mm, you might have heard of it. The most popular streaming platform of all time, Quibi. Uh, oh, if you're wait, unfamiliar, that stands for Quick Bites. Are you referring to the streaming service whose name stands for Quick Bites? I am referring to the Quick Bites network uh, created by Jeffrey Katzenberger. I forget his name. Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Uh, And a bunch of other pretty clueless millionaires to catch you up if you haven't been following the Quibi saga either on this podcast uh, or in real life. Uh, They offered five to ten minute shows you could only watch on your phone filmed in portrait mode, required a subscription, and also happened to launch immediately before a a year plus long global pandemic that rendered their service completely obsolete. Yes, right. And the uh, Quibi quickly uh, shuddered into being non-relevant to the point where everyone was let go. The The streaming service kind of folded. I say kind of folded, absolutely folded. And weirdly enough, all of the catalog of Quibi was bought up by Roku. Yes, uh, Roku purchased all of the intellectual properties uh, from Quibi, which there are a couple, uh, say what you will about Quibi, as we have in the past, such as it's a bad service and was a bad idea. Uh, say what you will about Quibi. There were actually some pretty interesting ideas as far as intellectual property goes. I think uh, kind of top of mind is that during the pandemic, a bunch of celebrities were remaking The Princess Bride on their iPhones. Uh, they were right. each filming little sections and then would release that on Quibi eventually, the entire Princess Bride, but reenacted by people like Jack Black and Keegan-Michael Key. Uh, uncertain future for that. I don't think any news has come out about that. But Roku purchased the intellectual property of Quibi. Uh, and I just wanted to give you guys a quick update on everything that's happened since Roku has acquired those properties. I am here for it. Uh, so first of all... Uh, This is the most exciting bit of news because I know that everyone listening to this who's uh, involved in this uh, will go engage with this immediately. Uh, These have been made available on the Roku channel as of two weeks ago. So they've been streaming for two weeks, at least everything 
that Roku bought that was already on Quibi. And uh, they've been rebranded as Roku Originals, uh, which is a level of creative cuckoldry that I have uh, never, <laughs> that I never would have imagined. Uh, oh, they, what a what a what a cruel <laughs> what a cruel thing to do! It, they pulled the Netflix, is what they did. Yes, they they pulled the Netflix. Whereas, if Netflix is the person who injects any money into a franchise after it's been canceled, or in some cases, if they just rebroadcast it, they'll slap Netflix original uh, in the production cards. I mean, not only that, they'll say a Netflix original series, which is just. By and large, and, and like, what's the right word? Demonstrably incorrect. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely untrue. Now, of course, you should keep Netflix original series for things that are actually Netflix original right. series that bear that pedigree, such as Sense8 and... Um, Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman. Uh, you know, I was actually kind of dunking on Sense8, but I've been reading a few things that Sense8 might actually be a pretty exceptional television show, so I might actually watch Sense8. I have no idea. Uh, it's made by the Wachowski sisters and is apparently yes. a uh, a much more, uh, what's the, it's a much more clear allegory about living your life as a trans person than The Matrix was, which The Matrix uh, absolutely was. We don't have time to get into that. Uh but Sense8 is apparently pretty good. Roku Originals, including uh, 50 States of Fright, The Golden Arm. The Golden Arm. Yes. Uh, Die Hart. Uh, the, yeah, uh, yeah, the Kevin Hart vehicle where he's trying to start an action movie. The uh, limited series about how Dan Harmon is a sexual deviant who makes love to mannequins. Yeah, uh, Cody Heller, I think is her name. Uh, she wrote... Um, what is it called? Doll, maybe? Starting Anna Kendrick? I, th- I think it, it might be called Doll. A lot of properties that I'm actually pretty... Ooh, Reno 911, the... Uh, the revival. The revival of Reno 911. I'm excited to watch a lot of these things. Uh, however, it seems as though everyone has been excited to watch some of these things. Because in the two weeks since launching Roku Originals, uh, once known as Quibi's Catalog... Uh, every single one has seen more traffic in the last two weeks than they did in the entirety of Quibi's existence. That's right, John. The company did not offer a specific number for the viewing of originals, but set a record number of accounts watched during the first two weeks of availability. More than one in three users of the Roku channel streamed a Roku original series, with users streaming over nine episodes on average. Which is uh, considerably more than on the Quibi service itself. And I also think there's something maybe here that uh, warrants some dissecting. I think that there's a level of, of internet usage and media consumption that isn't really talked about, which is uh, streaming services that aren't necessarily prestige. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Tubi and the Roku channel right. are... Uh, far and away some of the most popular forms of streaming content in the world like these free services are so so popular and no one talks about them crackle is another one i think a commonality between these different streaming services is that they they're free with ads yeah free with ads I, i think that a lot of 
I don't know. A lot of the media that we get tends to be framed in a certain lens, particularly around like major media companies like Prime Video, Netflix, HBO Max, things that people have to pay for. However, most of the people in America do not have much money. And I think that the things that these people engage with uh, are typically free things that you just never see mentioned in in media or the public consciousness. It's just really interesting. Like, I'm sure yeah. no one's talking about whatever other original shows end up on Roku, but like tens of millions of people watch that. It's probably more impactful than watching like, you know, special or I'll be gone in the dark or whatever. Just interesting to me. I hear what you're saying because of course, like the trades and what makes headlines usually is all related to this premium content, the Netflix originals, the HBO maxes, you know, Hulu pluses originals and Apple TV, whatever the hell that is. Uh, that That's where all the headlines come from, but that only really matters to the people who are in the industry and the people who tune in to watch those shows for people who want a wider access to content without having to, to pay for a monthly subscription, they have to turn to things like Crackle, the original home of comedians in cars getting coffee. Wait, w- was that the first place that comedians yeah. in cars? Really? Absolutely. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's but, fascinating. But yeah, the Roku channel and Tubi or voodoo or whatever else i think it's Tubi, Tubi tv whatever else is out there they're free with ads model which kind of it, it it's what hulu started as they're mm-hmm. just using that model which is very popular before hulu was like oh we can charge for subscriptions that's just where people can get content from and that's great but I mean, apparently these companies like Tubi or whatever are remarkably uh, More like popular. profitable. They're they're very very profitable. I will say, uh, I I've been a cord cutter, haven't had cable for at this point in my life eleven plus years, and uh, we tried to watch the body positivity documentary Embrace on Tubi TV. And uh, all the ads were for Weight Watchers and ED pills. Oh no, that's <laughs> yeah. what? Oh, that's mismatched. Well, I think that that would be true of anything because the narrative we tell ourselves is like, hey, you're not enough. All your stuff is a problem. However, when you match that with a body positivity documentary, the difference is very stark. Uh, All of this to say the Quibi content is out there. Listeners, you too can watch 50 States of Fright, The Golden Arm, and I recommend that you do. It's only seven to ten minutes long. So what are you waiting for? Listen, now that we're pulling out of this pandemic, we're not. It's only the United States that's kind of pulling out of the pandemic. And only 70% of Americans have gotten their first dose. We're really not out of the woods. Who knows about this Delta variant? But now that the pandemic is over, uh, you can go out there and wait online at the DMV and uh, watch 50 States of Fright the Golden Arm. Wouldn't it be hilarious, John, if that if, if Roku like ran the numbers and found that the majority of their viewers were watching it from their phones? What if they ran the numbers? Oh, what if they ran the numbers, figured out most people are watching it from their phones? They changed to a subscription-based model where you pay $4 a month to access the Quibi content 7 to 10 minutes on your phone in portrait mode, and they become the new Quibi. 
Yeah. What if they prove that Quibi's business model was actually incredible and Quibi was only undone by timing? I mean, I th- timing had a thousand percent everything behind it um, with why it failed. Other than uh, from what I could tell from the industry, just from people talking on Twitter, they also threw just a ton of money at people. Like, way too much money. Yeah, from my understanding, the underlying problems of Quibi is that it was a bunch of millionaires trying to make more money quickly without really understanding the creative process or hiring uh, producers or EPs who understood that either. So it was just a bunch of people, like, throwing money at anyone who had written a pilot and just being like, make something. We don't care. Just make something. Right. Exactly. Which apparently a couple pretty decent things uh, resulted from that, uh, not including Fifty States Afraid the Golden Arm. But apparently the sex doll series is very funny. Die Hard is okay, even though I refuse to look at Kevin Hart. Uh, so I know there's some good stuff out there. I'm sure. I think the silver lining here is no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter how far you fall you too could find a second life on the Roku channel. (laughs) Yeah, no matter what, um, once this podcast becomes financially insolvent, we'll be picked up as a Roku original. I can't wait to be Roku's first official audio-only content in the form of a weekly podcast. (laughs) This episode of Zero Credits brought to you by Raytheon. Raytheon. I don't know what they do, but they sound evil. <laughs> You're not wrong. They help design parts for missiles. Ah. Um, Raytheon's not great, but if they gave me money, Raytheon, I would change my tune in a heartbeat. Raytheon sounds like a monster from Monster Hunter. <laughs> and now, a message from Hims. Are your dick not hard enough? What? Use use hymns. Oh, no. Go to hymns.com, promo Shut code zero credits. Shut it down. And we will get $10. Shut it down. Uh, advertising is corrupt. It's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, yep. I'm a fan. Uh, anyway, Quibi, go watch it. It's super popular. I really hope that Princess Bride thing goes somewhere. And I'm probably going to spend more time and effort than I really should watching some of these things uh, through Roku Originals. Because, hey, I've got a Roku stick that's like 10 years old. I've got the channel. What do here's, I have to lose? Here's the thing, John. We just wrapped up our big supplemental reading series for the summer. Our slate's wide open. That's right. We're going to do a supplemental reading on every Quibi. <laughs> Depending on how many there are. No. If, no, no, no. There's probably more than eight of them, and we can't We can't do that. No, we're not going to do that. That was just for a bit. Because we've got other things. we got bigger fr- frish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger frish. we got bigger frish to fight, John. <laughs> um... This is the last chance we'll get to speak, John. Oh, in ever? Oh, before, I see what you bef- mean. Before both of us sit down Thursday night of this week, before this episode comes out, and we watch F9 colon the Fast Saga. Yes, we, we sit down this Thursday evening at what time? 
I think it's 1040. Jesus Christ. It's really late at night. Oh, boy. That's going to be a fun Friday. Uh, Uh, We will sit down and watch the, as we can definitively say now, based on the information we have, the penultimate uh, installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. That, That might not be right. You mean the time or it being the penultimate entry in the, in the franchise? Uh, I, I used to think it was the, the penultimate too, but I read an article literally right before we started recording that claims that there are two final Fast and Furious movies still on the horizon. But I thought Fast, ah, whatever. If it's two more, then that gives us, if it's two more, that's good news. Because yeah. that means our plan is right on track. All right, so yes, October... 2020, this article from IGN came out. Fast and Furious 11 will be the final film in the saga. Okay, so our plan, this is actually good news, Henry, because it means that our plan stays 100% on track. That's right. Uh, And for those of you who don't remember our plan, it's been a while since we talked about it. Yes, so our plan, of course, is that there was a little bit I don't know who writes these movies. Seth Morgan. Uh, it's Seth, not his name. Joe Chris, Rogan. Chris Morgan. Chris Morgan. Something Morgan. Uh, Morgan Stanley. The writer of these movies uh, was in an interview and said, hey, it would be cool if they went to space. So, of course, uh, without belaboring the point too much, our uh, supposition, uh, preposition was oh. that. Yes. Chris Morgan isn't writing he didn't write f9 what is this the only one he hasn't written um he also didn't write fate no there it is there's fate but that's producer holy shit this is producer give give me the writing credits damn it wait who wrote fate of the furious he did he wrote fate but he didn't write he, he he did not write f9 really who did uh well I'm on his page and okay. it's not here. Okay. So how would I know that, John? Okay, fine. F9 I can look it up. Fast Saga is written by Daniel Casey and I'm... Justin Lin. Oh, and Justin Lin being the uh the director. Oh wow. And Alfredo Botello got a story by credit, which uh I used to know what that meant. Daniel Casey was an uncredited writer on 10 Cloverfield Lane and some movie called Kin. And then F9 is the only major screenwriting credit he has. Amazing. This this is a trend in Hollywood that keeps popping up where they keep just finding these talents, these untapped talents, and they just throw them into the deep, the deep end and say, here you go. I mean, um, for what it's worth, I... I don't think that I love a lot of what Chris Morgan writes. And from my understanding, from the uh, hours of behind the scenes and backstage interviews I've watched, a lot of the things we like about the Fast and Furious series is the subject of like on set rewrites and improvisations. So maybe it'll be good if Chris Morgan doesn't write one. Uh, Another note, uh, this is Justin Lin's first uh, screenplay by credit. Well, that's not accurate. It's his first writing credit in six years, F9 The Fast Saga. Um, but, he, you know, I haven't seen the, the likes of his writing since Better Luck Tomorrow. Check out the supplemental reading. 
Yes, please check out the supplement ring. I was going to say we definitively know uh, that he wrote Better Luck Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so that's really interesting. But yes, this is the, if there's a fancy word for it, I don't know it, but the third to last movie. And our plan for the, the our plan, our prediction for the saga is nine, they go to space. Yeah, nine, ten, they go to space. Ten, they race to hell, highway mm-hmm. to hell. And then 11, they race to heaven and kill God. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. In F9, they go to space and Dominic Toretto dies. F10, they race to hell to get him out of hell. Yeah. And then F11, they race to heaven. Oh, my God. That, you, you just, we cracked the code. We figured it out. We cracked, that rhyme was intended. Oh, my God. That's right, folks. The Fast and Furious Saga, you've heard it here first. Our prediction is that it will end like any modern-day set Japanese RPG game with our protagonist killing God. I mean, if you look at the Fast and Furious Saga, it has basically been a very long JRPG. It's a group of people who get together they form their party relatively early. They stay together. There's a couple characters that come and go. There's some backstabs. There's some Yuffie stealing all your materia. There's some stuff going on. But they go through all of the games together. And at the very end, the writers kind of write, kind of phone it in. There's not a great ending, but you do kill God. Yes. The signs were all there. They even had a whole chapter set in Tokyo. They did. It's, listen, we we know that this is happening. And of course, as we predicted the naming convention, we did not predict that, uh, we did not predict that uh, Fast and Furious 9 would be called F9, the Fast Saga, uh, which is a, a stroke of genius that we couldn't have predicted. However, F t- the 10th has to be FFX. Oh my god. <laughs> FFX Highway to Hell. FFX Highway to Hell, yeah. And then of course the the final one will just be called Eleven Race to Heaven. Eleven Race to Heaven. It is People. the only one in which they have taken there is no mention of Fast, Furious, or the letter F. Yes. Amazing. Perfect. Um yeah, so this is our final chance, John, to talk about it before it comes out. Now, there's a lot of information out there, and I'm not saying let's go comb through all that. I'm saying let's focus on very important topics like the Paul Walker-driven Fast and Furious Toyota Supra sells for a record-breaking 550000 U.S. dollars. 550. Four zeros. <laughs> Five, five, four zeros? Yeah. Wait, cool, isn't a that... Cool ha- a cool half million. Yes, 550,000, I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, can't blame them. The Supra's a great car. Yeah. Um, the car was introduced in the film after Paul Walker's character, Brian O'Connor, gets his Mitsubishi Eclipse blown up by Johnny and Lance. Man, can you remember Johnny and Lance? I do not remember Johnny and Lance. Um, this, of course, we're talking about, these are the events of The Fast and The Furious. Yes. The first movie. Eight movies ago. 
Eight movies ago, Paul Walker had a car. He was an undercover cop, and his car got blown up by Johnny and Lance. Characters, time-honored, very respected and remembered in the canon. Um, but he owed, owing Dominic Toretto a 10-second car. O'Connor finds a completely written-off Toyota Super, Supra Mark IV. But with the two Jay-Z still intact, I obviously know what I'm talking about because I'm uh-huh. saying all these things. Please continue. Oh, oh, after the mad scientist put in his wrench time in the junkyard. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Oh, and the junkyard find, along with 15,000 or more, and, quote, overnight parts from Japan, quote, the end result in the film was this candy orange Supra. Very clunky writing. (laughs) Very, very clunky. It's almost like Chris Morgan wrote it. I should watch The Fast and the Furious again. It's been Um, a long time. You know, maybe instead of preserving those supplemental readings, we repeat the experiment. Uh, Yes, we'll uh, we'll just do that again. We can't. We can't recreate the magic. Anyway, this is now the most expensive Supra ever sold. And, uh... I mean, I have to imagine it it beat the second most expensive Supra by a pretty wide margin. I, I would think so, too. So I guess that news isn't really quite the uh, the, the topic starter, I thought. All right, how, how does this one grab No, 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 you're, you're right, Henry. There's, there's a lot to talk about in car sales for a lot of money. Fine, how does this one grab you, then? This is a headline from this very day, John. This very day, this article was published. Here's the headline. Vin Diesel says he showed The Rock tough love. Love? <laughs> <laughs> tough love. Tough love and Fast and Furious feud. Oh, is this more Rock Vin Diesel beef? Yeah, this is this is uh, actually kind of a postmortem of Rock Vin Diesel beef because according to this article, the beef was ended in 2019. Okay, that's way sooner than I thought that beef would have been ended. Yeah, so so jumping to the end of the article, while Johnson is conspicuously absent from F9, the newest entry in the Fast and Furious saga, the actor publicly put his feud with Diesel to rest in 2019. And in an Instagram video posted after the release of Hobbs and Shaw, Johnson took a moment to thank Brother Vin for his support on the project. You know... Everything about the Vin Diesel, The Rock drama, I guess drama, I hate that word, but everything about it uh, echoes this kind of like weird brinksmanship with like super macho relationships where people are just fucking around, except they're being like exceptionally cruel to each other, but it's all out of love. It's this like very, very strange dynamic that uh, men of a certain type seem to have. And uh, I'm over it. Uh, yeah. Listen, I've decided whose side I'm on with all of this, which is uh, I'm Dominic Toretto, uh, ride or die. Hobbs and Shaw was not a very good movie. And yes, I like Jason Statham and the character of Deckard Shaw or whatever his name is. That's his name. Deckard Shaw. Uh, not uh, not his brother Hobbs Shaw. <laughs> no, his name Owen Shaw. Owen yeah. Shaw. Uh, yes, I like Deckard Shaw quite a bit. I like his character. Do not like Hobbs. Uh, I'm tired of the rock shtick. 
I don't like cops to begin with. And Hobbs and Shaw was not a very enjoyable movie. Yeah. Uh, so Dominic Toretto for life. It, I, I mean, not even siding with actors, just Vin Diesel has come up in a very, very long line of being an actor. And he stepped into the role of an executive producer for F, uh, Fate of the Furious. And he, he wanted just a, he wanted the performance of Dwayne The Rock Johnson to, to hit a certain level. To, it needed to get to get his performance where it needed to be. Um, and he, so he he used tough love to do that because he thought Dwayne Johnson could could handle it. Um, but instead, it, it blew up to be like this big kind of like feud that was publicly carried out on Instagram or whatever. Um, honestly. Dwayne Johnson, he's he's the most he's the highest paid actor in the industry. Um, but if you look at his acting, it, it he kind of plays the same character in every every movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is a very viable form of acting. It's just an actor like Vin Diesel who gets a lot of shit for his roles, but puts himself in every role. I mean that bloodshot movie he did where he acted circles around everyone else in the movie kind of just goes to show he's got the chops and he just wanted the performance from Dwayne to be the best it could be. And, and working as an executive producer to make this movie the best it could be. I can see where maybe he stepped on some toes to do that, but I'm going to side with the person who's trying to make the art better. I mean, I'm going to stop you or at least, Walk it back a little bit. Do it. And, and argue against the idea that acting exactly the same way all of the time, regardless of the situation and the role, is in fact bad acting. Uh, I think that The Rock's performances are very palatable uh, in that he kind of always speaks with the same affect and he's yeah. he, he's, uh, he doesn't flinch. He's unfazed by things. Wait, he, so he's somewhat snarky and macho. However... I think that it's actually quite bad acting. And I think that he is a bad actor because he does not have range uh, or, or like a lot of emotion. I don't think that the rock is a good actor. I, I think we need to, to zoom out a little bit then. Cause if you're, if that's your argument, we have to look at Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I read a lot of emotion. I think that Ryan Reynolds Never mind. That was about to be big spoilers for a movie that he's in. But I think that Ryan Reynolds can play like emotionally soft or hurt roles. I think that he can portray vulnerability really well. Okay. I do not think that The Rock portrays any emotion other than being The Rock particularly well. All right. So let's zoom in a little further. Michelle Rodriguez. Ah, uh, but Michelle Rodriguez can be vulnerable too. She's been vulnerable in the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. All right, let's zoom out a little more. What's her name? Ronda Gina, Rousey? Ron, no, Gina... Gina... Gina, Gina Carano? Carano? Gina Carano? Yeah, not a good actor. Gina let's Carano. Zoom, okay, let's zoom no, out Gina a little Carano more. is not actually a, a good zoom? actor. Hold on, let me just keep zooming. Have up. you Maybe? seen The Mandalorian? Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben Shapiro, fantastic actor. Uh, really good actor because he pretends to be an intellectual tough guy when he's a dumb, weak nerd. 
Right. It, there's not a lot of actors who don't who don't have access to that that wider range that you're referring to, and who who only play. I. I th- so so I'll walk back what I said. I agree with you. Maybe maybe he's not a good actor. Yeah, I I don't think he's a good actor. I think Vin Diesel was in the right to try to get something better out of him. Yeah, uh, just to get a specific quote, he did a um, an interview with Men's Health Profile, and uh, this this is Vin talking. My approach at the time was a lot of tough love to assist in getting that performance where it needed to be. Uh, as a producer to say, okay, we're going to take Dwayne Johnson, who's associated with wrestling, and we're going to force the cinematic world audience members to regard his character as someone that they don't know. That's weird. Coming from Fate of the Furious, three movies after he was introduced in Fast Five. Yeah, that seems odd. For what it's worth, I love Vin Diesel, but this kind of sounds like a similar school of like, tough guy psychology where he was genuinely like uh unnecessarily combative to this person he's like i was just giving him tough love he just couldn't yeah. take it i just wanted to make him i just wanted to make him better that's why i hit him in the face with a bottle of jose cuervo oh is that what happened no i'm just saying that it's a it's a similar like uh, deflection mechanism within tough guys i think i i'd love to see the tough love and the tough love is just men behind the camera you know, uh, Lynn, Lynn, uh, Justin Lynn calls cut and Ben goes, I think we need another take. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin's like, I think we guys like, no, 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 no. Make him run it again. Run it again. <laughs> run it again. <laughs> he's just doing like a Stanley Kubrick. He's just like sitting on an apple box, making the rock do the same take over and over and over again until he cries. Yeah. He's got a beret on. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah. And like those big aviator glasses. And he's just like, run it again. Run it again. <laughs> the rock busts run out of his glasses. Like, get him out of the cast. Run it again. Run yeah, it again. Look, I think we need about 17 more takes. No cutting. No cutting. Just pure emotion he would have the rock walk around a set and refuse to give him direction uh he would just yeah. do that for hours until he got something out of the rock he's a real auteur the, the rock would sit down and uh then would be there like your, your character doesn't sit down your character doesn't sit your character doesn't sit down your character doesn't eat bland unseasoned chicken breast <laughs> your character doesn't eat cod yeah your, your character doesn't eat Half of your weight in fish a day. <laughs> your character doesn't eat. <laughs> Never <laughs> once do we see Hobbs. The Rock eat. is desperately trying to eat a bagel from craft services and Vince slaps over. Your character doesn't eat. Your character doesn't eat. He doesn't eat on film. He's <laughs> like, but I eat method. Method. We're method on set. It's not like he allows the performers in the movie, by the way, that he's not director or producer. No. It's not that it's not that <laughs> he allows producer. them to to find their voice. He imposes method on yeah. every single one of the actors. The Rock like goes to Sweet Green to get like a cod salad. Vin Diesel's behind the counter. He's like, Hobbs doesn't eat. Hobbs doesn't eat. He's Hobbs like, doesn't you don't, eat. Do you work here? <laughs> I, do, I, I do now. Hobbs doesn't eat. Dominic needs. He. Where do you think the cars come from? <laughs> Dominic works a lot of jobs. Method. Hobbs of doesn't job. eat. He's, he's got a lot of part time jobs. He's got to support a family. <laughs> he's he's got to support a family. Uh, Dominic Toretto's married to your wife. <laughs> Dominic Toretto is married to your wife. <laughs> 
Is The Rock married? Yeah, he's married and he uh, has multiple dogs and children. That's great. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you want to marry The Rock? Probably not. He's worth millions of dollars. I'm worried he wouldn't be emotionally available. Yeah, he's just, what if what if the rock was like that at home? Yeah, like the the dishes aren't being done. He's like, I don't do dishes, muchacho. It's like, um, okay, well, the, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> he's cooking dinner, and he's like, "Do you smell what the rock is cooking?" Do you smell what the rock is cooking. And his wife is like, yes, it's unseasoned chicken (laughs) breast again. It's chicken breast and cod and cauliflower rice again. Yeah, his jacked daughter. I'm assuming he has a daughter, but his his daughter is jacked because all she eats is cod and chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Someone shows up to the Rock's house. They're like, Mr. Rock, uh, you're being served. You haven't paid taxes in 13 years. And he's like, huh, guess I'm going to the iron prison. And they just starts curling. <laughs> it's like, no, no, Mr. Johnson, you actually seriously could go to prison. Guess I got to go to the dungeon. They starts like doing tricep pushdowns. Uh, the, the problem with trying to arrest the rock is that we can't really afford for him to only invest in like physical exercise he would get too strong yeah well i mean the problem with the rock is like because of his physical girth like no like ligature arraignments actually fit him so the only state he can be arrested in is texas because one time 30 years ago they had to arrest a cow so they've like (laughs) kept that stuff uh in the police department so if he's down there and he commits a crime they'll deploy the cow tactical ligatures on him yeah, I say yeah. ligatures that typically has a negative connotation because it's used to like bind someone before you, you know, kill them. Oh, okay. I didn't know Restraints. That. Yeah, the, the CTR. Uh, tactical. The TCR. Tactical criminal. Cow. cow. <laughs> yes. Uh, tactical cow restraints. Yeah. Yeah, they need uh they need that uh, cow handcuffs. He can only be arrested in Texas. Yeah. Which unfortunately because of how they have to arrest him, they have to try him like a cow. <laughs> they have to try him like a cow. Yeah, they read him as Miranda writes in yeah. moos. <laughs> he's like the the judge asks him how he pleads and he's like not guilty. I'm like I'm sorry. <laughs> Moo? <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say Moo? Okay, that's a rock movie I would watch. <laughs> I would watch the rock movie where he gets arrested like a cow. So he's not emotionally vulnerable in the Tooth Fairy? <laughs> no, I'd say he isn't. What about in um, Daddy Daycare? He's not in that. I think the most emotionally vulnerable I've ever seen him was in The Scorpion King. Oh, when he was literally CGI? Yeah. I just typed in rock wrong. That's not his name. His name Rick? is Dwayne. No, I typed it R A W K. Great. Uh, that was the name of the wrestling hawk in Paper Mario with a Thousand Year Door. Leave me alone. Is this a real thing? Yeah, Paper Mario with a Thousand Year Door had a wrestling chapter where uh, the end boss for that chapter was The Rock, but he was a hawk and his name was spelled W A W. What the? F- R W. R-A-W-K. Why? Wait, isn't uh, Rock an actual bird? 
That's ROC, and that's the mythical bird that's like the size of a dragon. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess it makes more sense that they call I bet the person who wrote that said it should be ROC. Oh, and maybe. They changed to R-A-W-K because it has broader appeal. Well, and he was also a hawk. Yeah, that makes a lot. You know, how come I've never played Paper Mario in the whatever the fuck? Uh, it's a real. It's one of the best RPGs on the planet. All I've played is the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. How does it compare to that? I think it's better. Okay, I loved Superstar Saga. Yeah, that one was really good. Man, Mario has good RPGs, huh? It, I mean, almost none of them miss. So you're saying he's not emotionally vulnerable in Race to Witch Mountain? You know, I've never seen it, but I'm going to say no. What about in Doom? In Doom, he's very emotionally available, but only to the Kako Demon. I was going to do this joke where I just went down his his filmography and kept asking you. The sad part is, uh, it's all wrestling stuff. Really? Uh, yeah, like it's all these WrestleManias and WWE things. And then suddenly, uh, you, you know, it's Race to Witch Mountain, Planet 51? No idea. Two Fairy. Uh-huh. Oh, the other guys. You know the other, okay. Was that like uh, Chris the, Rock? Not Chris remember. Rock. No. What's his name? Kevin Hart. He, he was, he was only in that movie for like 10 minutes. Okay. But then suddenly it's 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 fast five and then fast six and then then his movie career really takes off. Like fast five is one of his first big movies. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I, I talked about how The Rock is a bad actor, which I do believe is true. However, to be clear, more power to The Rock. Like, I think that there is nothing wrong with having an acting career based entirely off of being jacked. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger and he didn't develop really any acting talent until far later in his career. See, that's what I was trying to kind of trying to say. Like there's nothing wrong with making a career off of just like one, like Dolph Lundgren is, is very smart. But his acting career is all these muscle-bound idiot roles because he he knew like his archetype and he he played to it. Dude, Dolph Lundgren's like career is so fascinating. He was like a Rhodes scholar, a very accomplished athlete, dated Grace Jones, and just it's so interesting. It's fascinating to me uh what Dolph Lundgren had for, going on for anyone who's not familiar with Dolph Lundgren uh just watch Masters of the Universe and then know that he's in it yeah that's really all uh that's really all you need to do like I said I don't think that there's anything wrong with being jacked uh but you know I wouldn't call him a good actor was you called Dolph Lundgren a good actor not really no but I'd call him a fascinating human being who deserves all the money he made Wait, what about that ending that ending uh monologue in Blade Runner? That's uh Not him. That, that's a different actor. Nope, that's Rutger Hauer. Okay. That's <laughs> Oh, hold on. So uh, you have Dolph Lundgren, the person who is not a very good actor, and then you have uh, Rutger Hauer, a phenomenally gifted actor. They're both blonde, muscle-bound idiots in the 80s. Leave me alone. Uh, Rutger Hauer was a little thinner. Oh, uh, I forgot. Oh, sorry. Uh, Rutger Hauer, of course, most famous for being the voice of Master Xenonort in the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> games. 
Wait, really? In Kingdom Hearts 3, apparently. Are you kidding me that Rutger Hauer is a voice in Kingdom Hearts? Kingdom Hearts 3, at least. I'm, I'm trying to scroll down to see if he's in more, but maybe it's only Kingdom Hearts 3? I mean, sure. That's amazing, though. I love Rutger Hauer. He was great in The Hitcher. I also really like Lady his, Hawk. I like his monologue at the end of Blade Runner. It's very good. Most of it improvised. Everyone knows that. He couldn't remember the exact lines. <laughs> he, uh, so so he, he wasn't. He wasn't. He made far up like sea beams. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't far off from the lines, but like he was tangential to them. Yeah, I mean, if you get that much rain coming down on you, how are you going to remember anything? Well, all these moments, Henry. You're walking down a road and you see a tortoise on its back. There's supposed to be a question that follows that statement. What do you do? Do you help it? Is do the... you do you help it? I don't know. I don't know how the Voight-Kampff test works. No one knows how it works, but you should know that that's the, always the first question, isn't it? Okay, you failed the Voight-Kampff test. I'm you a have fucking to be replicant. Shot. <laughs> I'm a fucking replicant. <laughs> what if what if they're like you see a turtle on its back in the hot sun? Do you help it? And they're like, I'm a fucking replicant. You, you got, got me. me. I'm you, a fucking replicant. You got me. Bring me to Jared Leto in 2049, <laughs> and I guess we'll have it out. Yeah, bring me to his his angry assistant. Who was a replicant. Within cells interlinked. What was 2049 about? Uh, Ryan Gosling. I remember it being hauntingly beautiful, but I don't remember the point of the movie. I mean, I can't spoil it, but essentially... Whereas the uh, the original movie was about, is there any meaningful difference between being a human and a synthetic human? The point of 2049 was, is there any difference between being a human and just being a simulation? What is being human? Okay. Uh, what, what does K's humanity really matter? 2049 is a very good movie. Who's K? K is the protagonist of 2049. I thought the protagonist was Arma de Armas. That's not her name. <laughs> uh, what is her name? Anna de Armas? Well, Henry, this has been fun, but I just gotta say, a blood-black nothingness began to spin. Began to spin. Let's move on to the system. System. Feel that in your body. The system. What does it feel like to be part of the system? System. Is there anything in your body that wants to resist the system? System. Uh, John, you're walking down the road, and you come across a turtle in the hot sun laying on its back. Uh, do you get pleasure out of being part of the system? System. Uh, have they created you to be part of the system? System. Is there security in being part of the system? System. Is there a sound that comes from the system? System. We're going to go on. On. Cells. You fucked it up. Oh! <laughs> You're not a replicant. Damn well, it, I was You are so... a replicant, but you have <laughs> divergent thoughts. I so want to be a replicant. Oh no. Um... Yeah, everyone does. All of this is to say that Thursday... <laughs> All of this watching... will be lost to time like tears and rain. All of this will be lost when we sit down Thursday night to watch F9 colon The Fast Saga. All of our predictions will be true. We'll finally know why blank will be bleep. And uh, I don't want to spoil it from anyone. Maybe they'll explain it. Maybe they'll just fucking put them in our face and say deal with it. Either way, I will be happy. Yes, no matter what, we know one thing, and that is we will be happy on Thursday night. Uh, 
Okay, here's a real question, an actual honest-to-goodness discussion question. On both of our lists, John, Fast, fast Five is at the top. Uh-huh. What are the odds? What are the chances? Do you think F9, the Fast Saga, has a chance to dethrone the king? I think almost zero. I really think it's very unlikely Fast 9 was an anomaly. I think Fast Fast 5, oh, Fast ooh, 5 ooh. was an anomaly. I think that it was lightning in a bottle. I think it was a lot of really amazing things happening for the first time. If F9 were to dethrone it, I would be shocked. Yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to agree because F5 happened in the perfect sort of medium where they wanted to do something new with the movies, but they were still still keeping the scale rather small. Uh, they weren't quite superhuman behind the wheels of a car yet, uh, but they did some pretty cool shit with cars while enacting a heist movie to get revenge on someone who wronged them. Um, I think F9 is going to, tr- you know, it's... It, it's got to try to top F8, you know, that that's just the, the rat race they're in right now. They, they keep trying to outdo the last one they did rather than trying to experiment or, or, or make something really unique with the materials they have in front of them. And I think, honestly, they look at these superhero movies and go like, how do we compete? And then the movie is the answer to that question. And so the feats just get bigger and larger and huger. And hopefully the characters don't get lost in the process. But we just rewatched Fate of the Furious, and that that's kind of what happened in that movie, in my opinion. But maybe that's this isn't the time to have that discussion. Yeah, I think Fate had a lot of problems. However, Fate was kind of the most exciting thing since Fast Five, uh, because it was doing a lot of the stuff again. You were seeing like relationships change. Uh, in an interesting way. I can't imagine that F9, given what we've seen, will uh, will give me the same feelings that Fast Five, or even, I'll say it now, Fate of the Furious did. Right. Uh, I'm excited for F9, but I would be lying to you if I said that I had particularly high hopes for most of it. Okay. We I just know that most of these movies are, aren't as good as Fast Five. <laughs> Fast Five is the diamond in the rough. And, and if we need more rough to make that diamond shine brighter, then I'm willing to, to sit to, you know, to sift through that rough. The metaphor is being lost, but you get what I mean. Yeah. And hell, at the end of the day, we've got two more of these bad boys after F9, at least to look forward to. At least. Uh, so it's makes, not like this yeah. is our last chance to enjoy the franchise. There was some buzz and some rumors of a solo uh, Dominic Toretto movie that might be a prequel. I just don't... Even if there's some credence to these rumors, I don't think it's a good... It's not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to see a solo Dominic Toretto movie set before the Fast and Furious universe starring a Vin Diesel who is now 20 years older. Right. Than he was at the beginning. 20 years older and 20 years bigger. Yeah, it, it would it would be like a you would have to do like the, the solo thing where you recast for a younger Dominic Toretto. That'd be uh fascinating. They'll oh. just get uh they'll just get Alden Ehrenreich to do it. That was I I, I thought of a joke. 
and that was it. <laughs> oh, great. I'm no, glad. Yeah, it's like they'll, they'll just have to do the, the solo thing and get Alden Aaron Wright to play Dominic Toretto. Yeah, let's just get Alden Aaron Wright. Let's get Childish Gambino. Uh, it'll be oh, great. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, he could play. He could be Paul Walker for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Even though we saw how they met. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, they will actually meet and then they'll both get kicked in the head by a car and then they'll forget that they'll they forget. met. They'll forget. And then, yeah, uh, Dominic Turrell will be like, what? I speak a little Wookiee. I hated Solo. And it'll uh, also, the incredible thing about it is that uh, Dominic Toretto's name is actually James Toretto. However, he's really good at dominoes. And someone says, huh, dominoes, we should call you Dominic. <laughs> Remember how in, in Solo they couldn't just let his name fucking yeah. be on Solo? Who so they had to be people? like, oh, you operate alone. Guess we'll call you Solo. Also, here's a DL-44 blaster. Better not carry that with you into future films. Also, here's Chewbacca. Sucks. It wasn't a good film. Man. What's Alden Ehrenreich up to? I feel like uh, he was in some hot water recently. I don't know why I feel that way. You're thinking of Army Hammer. Ah, uh, yes. He wanted to put some people in some hot water. How do you spell Aaron right? E-H-R-E-N-R-E-I-C-H? How do you spell Aldrin? A-L-D-E-R-E-N. What? Aldrin. A L D E N. Okay, IMDb doesn't have a good autocorrect. I will spell Alden Airwright into Google and it'll tell me who he is. Uh, my computer's listening to me because he was the first thing that popped up when I typed the letter A. Apparently, he is in a Brave New World series. Really? Where is that being aired? I have no clue. We're learning so much. On Peacock. Ah, great, yes. Is Peacock still a thing, or did that become part of Paramount? No, Peacock still exists because of The Office, I guess. Okay, I'm confused about who owns what. You know what Alden Ehrenreich was in? Uh, Hail Caesar, he did a great, phenomenal job in that. Hail Caesar was a great movie. Yeah. No one talks about it. Would that it were... Would that it were... uh, So simple. simple. Henry... John, I feel like we've run our course. I'm just afraid of ending this podcast. Why? Because when we end this podcast, there's nothing standing between us and F9, the Fast Saga. I know. This is this is the most fraught. Fraught? I, uh, you're frothy. the English major. I don't know what fraught means, but I'll go with frothy. Uh, this is the most frothy episode uh, we've ever had because... Well, other than Hobbs and Shaw, but that doesn't count. We have not let the sun set on an episode of Zero Credits Podcast uh, before the release of a mainline Fast and Furious movie before. It's true. This is this is uncharted waters for us. And so I guess that's why, I, you know, we spiraled a little bit uh, like Chris Rock might have. Yeah, I yeah, I get it. I get what you're. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But I think a movie called Spiral. I think the only thing left to do is uh, to play a little game called uh, I'm being too clever by half. I think you're being uh, too clever by three quarters, if we're being honest. 
I think the only thing left to do is to set the sun on this podcast episode and tell the good people at home, our, our good dear fans who we love dearly, how they can get in contact with us. Indeed, you can get in contact with us a myriad of ways and let me count them. Uh, the first is you can reach out to us on twitter.com. That is the destination for text perverts. You can reach out to us there at ZCPCWHJ on twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Zero chords poke children without head jobs. That's right. And if you want to send us an email, uh, you can do so too. Email at zerocredits.net through my tireless work, dedication, effort, and money. That is still a website. I also managed to pick up a few domains for myself. So if you go to john.org or fartmaster.dad, those are the websites of me, John. Just kidding. John.org is a different thing is fartmaster.dad real you'll have to find out we are on various podcast services or at least 301 of our most recent episodes are uh you can of course go to spotify to find our episodes in the podcast section of spotify or just searching for zero credits i don't really know how spotify works spotify feeds me music i listen to it sometimes i like it sometimes i don't like it i don't really engage with algorithms i don't like things i just kind of let whatever happens happen we are on apple podcasts search for zero credits podcasts in the apple podcasts and you'll find us uh one of the best ways that people can learn about the show is for you to leave a rating, preferably five stars, but we accept up to four <laughs> or down. We accept as few stars as four. Uh, but if you leave anything less than that, you will be stricken from our lives, severed mercilessly, uh, sentenced to perdition, to contemplate your decisions on the tree of woe. And also we will take your comments very seriously and they will give us a panic attack but the best way for people to learn about the show is for you to tell everyone you know about the show covid restrictions in the united states are being lifted so kiss the word zero credits directly into the ears of your friends you've been waiting for 15 months to kiss those sweet, sweet friends. So why not kiss them with the name of your favorite podcast? Uh, curse them with the inescapable knowledge of the most recent 301 episodes of two men talking about things. Because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. That's right, John, and thank you for doing that. But I would like to add from everyone here from the... 10 second car a quarter life my quarter mile life quarter mile at a time life studios we want to wish you a happy viewing of fast nine colon f9 colon the fast saga that's just the clunkiest fucking title who signed off on that that's right a happy viewing of fast nine the f saga from everyone here at Zero Credits. Yes. Enjoy a bucket of popcorn on us. 
we will not be paying. <laughs> no, on us means you will buy the po- the buck, the pocket, the pocket of popcorn, and then dump it onto us. Yes, dump popcorn onto us. You ever get a fresh, hot load of laundry? You ever get just like <laughs> you, ever, <laughs> you ever get like <laughs> hold on you ever you're ever doing laundry and you get like a fresh hot load of laundry and you just dump it on yourself when you're on yeah. the couch do yeah. that but with popcorn except sometimes with the laundry there's like a button in there that burns you ooh metal buttons keep them out of my popcorn <laughs> that's right uh, goodbye goodbye. Oh, Detective Pikachu.